Welcome back, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe, the host of the Neuroqueering Podcast, and I'm here with a, a return guest, Allie Hendry. And uh, gosh, Allie, you've been on several of my podcasts now, and and vice versa. We've been swapping. Allie is uh, ca- calling in from the UK. Allie is the host of the Relationship Room Podcast and Instagram Live holistic relationship coach and inclusion consultant and ICF certified relationship coach training lead and comedian and writer. And I always, whenever I think of Ali, I, I like, I'm either think of you as a celebrity or a friend who I can just tell anything to. And so I'm, I'm both like, you know, starstruck and completely comfortable and safe all in the same moment. So you're so unique. You're so unique to me. And I feel like you've been there like a thread throughout my entire career as a, as a coach and a pleasure. I almost said expert, but I always pause and you've been so good. I have to say, shout out to Allie, uh, when I met Allie, I was, you know, straight presenting and neurotypical presenting. And since then I've evolved into this neuroqueer human and all along you've been a huge support and just so gracious and kind and um, patiently sharing your wisdom. So. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, where do we go? Where do we go from there? I mean, who's stalking who, basically? Who's stalking who? <laughs> Which is it should be a song, not who's zooming who. Who's stalking? Who's talking? I always, who? I always think if I, um, you know, were were cool, stayed out late, had cool hair, and and was having sex, I would be more like you. <laughs> My goodness, I love the image you have of me. Um, some of it's true some of it's not we've met I still haven't had sex how many years have I known you five I still well that's not true because we're going to talk about sex and menopause today and that's not true because I shouldn't keep saying my narrative should not be that I haven't had sex because of course I've a few times had sex with myself and so I need to expand that reframe yes but um but I love having sex with myself (laughs) I'm just kind of bored of myself pretty much daily you need to spice it up no kidding I know buy some toys me and my mate went and bought matching toys the other day I mean that's the ultimate in friendship isn't it someone you've known for 30 years who you can go to a sex shop have a right laugh oh and buy the same toy and you know review it independently that's fantastic I have been to to sex shops with with friends and I and I do have some toys and I'd love to talk to you about why it works and why it doesn't work because you're here to talk about sex and menopause and through the lens of of queerness and or neurodivergence and and all the things so uh yeah and talking about how people experience menopause differently so my in my recollection just sitting back and letting you talk is the best idea i mean you're absolutely right the experience of menopause is different for every single human And yet we want to look for patterns because that's how our brains work. And so we go, oh, well, how did my mother go through this? Or how are my siblings going through this? And let me read the books. Let me talk to Dr. Google. Let me find what my journey is going to be like. And as you and I know, it's it's very, very different from person to person. And there is such 
a little amount of research. It is growing, absolutely. Over the last few years, it has grown. We know that people who fund research and people who ask questions during the research phases aren't necessarily humans who go through menopause. And therefore, sometimes you get the answer to the wrong question when you're carrying out research around menopause. And I certainly for me, when I went into it, I was like, oh, there's oh, it's all about hormones, isn't it? It's all about estrogen. I mean, I had no idea how much a big part estrogen plays in so many parts of our of our workings. And so I was like, oh, right. So there must be a test. Surely we can do a test that says, right, you are perimenopausal. You are just about to launch into it. And there isn't because hormones are changing constantly. Mm -hmm. So you cannot say, right, your levels are this and therefore you are at this stage. And in fact, this amazing book, which I am recommending to absolutely everybody, um, The Menopause Boot Camp by Suzanne Gilberg Lenz. Uh, She's a medical doctor and also uses uh, blends Eastern and Western medicine and um, Ayurvedic way of looking at things. Good. And she she says, let's get rid of perimenopause because what it does is it instills fear. <laughs> oh, no, my gosh. This big come, thing don't, is coming. Don't, 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 don't. Absolutely. It's the Jaws music. This big thing is coming. Um, am I in it? Am I not in it? Am I now menopausal? Where's this measure? And she says, you're either you either don't have menopause or you're in menopause. That's mm. it. And so she no says longer it's, it's the year, no longer yeah. the year after you've stopped. Yes. The only thing we've got as a measure is one year of no periods. It's right. that technical, people. <laughs> one year of no periods, and then you know you are in it. However, you can have symptoms years before um, that start that journey for you. And she says it's not a diagnosis. It's a natural transition that we mm. go through. Mm-hmm. So by calling it some kind of medical wrong that needs solving and sorting is the is not the right approach. A more healthy approach is to say, OK, body's changing. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I smell you. I taste you. Things are happening. My senses are changing. Everything is happening. What I need to do is learn my body now and work out what steps I can take that help me move through life with ease. That's what we all want, right? That's what we do as coaches. How can I move through life with ease? Yes. And and perhaps it is that so many of the sensations change, um, not just in our size, which is, I think the narrative that we always talk about, the, the weight gain, the belly gain, which does frankly get in the way of self-pleasure sometimes. I would just say it's harder to get there. But I think the other sensations that you're talking about are potentially why, as an autistic person, I do struggle with um, with sex and pleasure more. There's just more of an onslaught of sensations and newness that I'm, that isn't in my comfort zone yet. It's not familiar to me. It's almost like alien each time I greet myself in the mirror, and so it's disconcerting. And it's it it doesn't. And I feel like safety has to come before pleasure and sex in any form. And it's, it's this unsettling, like unsafe, unsafe feeling when it, things keep changing. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, it does. Let's, let's go there. Let's talk about psychological safety and what that looks like. And I just took to make a note on, on the belly. It's, that was, it's really interesting because 
by the time we get to the age where menopause happens for us and the average age for a white person is 51 years old which is actually on the nose when I started I'm 54 now um, the research is coming out around black and indigenous populations and the research suggests that actually those populations come out a couple of years earlier and will have long symptoms for a longer period of time mm. and also more likely to have um, uh, more difficult hot flushes, experiences with hot flushes. And the group that has the, um, the, the most amount of kind of difficulty around how hot flushes in terms of the experience is Indigenous populations. So that there are there is some valuable research coming out at the moment Good. around around age. With with the belly stuff, we need to put on that that fat that arrives has to happen because there's there's a link between the fat that is arriving and the bones. You know, we know that osteoporosis is one of those things that happens and that the bones um, aren't as strong. And so we have to do, we have to look at weight bearing exercise as well as other sorts of exercise, cardio exercise that we might do. So we know the research is suggesting that we need to do that. And there's some link between that increase in fat and how it impacts and supports bones and bone structure. However, there's the psychology around it. So if you historically have have had any kind of disordered eating, it might be by the time you get to your late 40s, early 50s, you're like, finally, I'm inhabiting my body. I just don't care. Like, I'm really confident. And that's absolutely fine. And this is good. And I've embraced it. And finally, I'm there. And I'm okay with my eating. And I'm okay with my exercising and moving with intention. And then what happened to me is um, within six to eight months, a stone just landed and I wasn't changing anything. I wasn't changing um, what I did, what I ate, how I moved. And I'm still happy to keep it at the same level. But I was like, oh, hello, you. Now, for me, because I had got to a place where I love my body <laughs> and, and I have had disordered eating around heartbreak. I'm one of those classics where I will just lose it during heartbreak, mm -hmm. and extreme emotional stress. So when when that arrived on me, I was actually fine with it. However. If I'd been a different person and had been a different story around disordered eating or eating disorders, just as I've got myself together, yes, I'm going to take a massive step back and go, oh, no, now I'm going to start scrimping on food. Now I'm going to start over-exercising and actually damage my body because things like joints are changing, the way that our joints operate as, as we get older generally and also because we don't have as much estrogen. Estrogen is one of those things that is part of our joints. So we beast ourselves and then we get damaged and then we can't move at all. And then we put on even more weight and then we're even more upset and anxious and distracted. You know, so self-fulfilling right cycle prophecy happens for us. Yes. Cause we start, if we start over exercising or cutting back our calories too much, of course, our, you know, cortisol levels are going to shoot through the roof. And I know for, for me, it, it was, it was that my cortisol levels were, were very high and then they plummeted. And so, the, so in the morning they plummeted and they said, Oh, this is actually adrenal fatigue or burnout or worse. You don't have any cortisol left in the morning. So I said, Oh, I should go exercise. I should, I should intermittent fast. What should I do? Should I? And they said, no, 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 you need to just be gentle. You need to sit down, put your eyes in the sun, get some early sunlight, sleep, breathe, meditate, do all the things, and then exercise when it feels good, you know, eat when you're hungry. And 
And so, yeah, the, t- the tendency is to want to push harder when all these changes happen and it's, and it backfires. It really does. And cortisol gets a bad press, you know, it's called that stress hormone. Right. We absolutely need it. And as, as rightly, as you say, it tends to peak in the mornings yeah. during menopause, you might get more of a peak. You might be more aware of it. And that was part of my story for about six to eight months. I was getting this massive surge of cortisol first thing in the morning and I'd get palpitations. And so I trained myself to use breath work, which is so, so powerful when it comes to regulating your body. Your body wants to be in balance. Mm. It wants to be in balance. And we forget that we can help it be in balance. It always wants to get back to homeostasis. And so first thing in the morning, I would feel this weight on my chest and this cortisol spike, which is great because cortisol says, we're getting up, we can get you out, we're going to give you this energy. It's also distressing when it's the first thing that you feel in the morning. So I learned to breathe into it. I learned to do some exercises, some box breathing, you know, where you breathe in for two or four, for example, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, pause for four. So you've got that four, four, imagine you're, you're on the square, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. And those sorts of things bring you back into your body and bring it back online. So it's distressing. And, you know, you've done the right thing. You've looked at, let me research this and let me find out what my body needs, not what anyone else's needs, what my body needs. Yes, absolutely. And when you work with couples, queer or straight couples, how do they start the conversation or what do you recommend the conversation is about about menopause and how our bodies are changing and what our need, how our needs are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you have, do you have, cause in my experience, just to let you know, it's almost as if it was a non-issue. It, it came, it went my current partner who I'm not intimate with, which is probably why we didn't talk about it. It was as if we just never even had a conversation about it, but my life is completely different. My perception of self and body is completely different. So um, what's the better way to do it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. I love, I love individual coaching and group coaching. I also absolutely adore working with couples. Most of the couples that I work with are queer women, um, non-binary, trans, uh, as well, a part of that story. People who experience menopause, uh, if you are if you are in a relationship with someone else who also experiences menopause, yes, and you're a similar age, then you're going to go through menopause at the same time. Brilliant! Check out those mood swings. <laughs> so it, it's a really really important conversation for the community that I mainly serve, where you have two humans who are going on a journey in very different ways and trying to navigate that journey together and independently. And it's any change, of course, any any kind of change. You are learning what your body is doing and what it's doing differently. And you're also learning what the other person's body is doing and doing differently. Now, interestingly, because part of my um, story and therefore my client's stories is around Mm non-monogamy, by having that community of intimacy Mm. it's really powerful and I I hadn't really thought about that but for me as somebody who has dalliances and long-term relationships with people who also have are going through menopause to be able to share experiences to be able to riff off the you know bringing in humor and just when you get a hot flash and then sometimes it sets their hot flash off as well yes 
wake up in the morning and you've got that cortisol hit and so is the other person and you're kind of like what should we do with this extra energy we've got this morning mm, I know mm, so right. so you can you can play with it absolutely and there is that insecurity this body that I've always known is now working in a different way you mentioned about you know some things might take longer and so when we look at our pleasure journey maybe we are changing the map maybe what used to be one or two of our outcomes is now off the table and it's more about pleasure journey it's more about tuning into those senses it's it's more about finding out what floats my boat now at this point and our brains are very good at comparing the past and saying, oh, it didn't used to be, you didn't used to have that. Is that a failure? Does that mean we're not doing it right? And so thoughts like that can do one. You know, you can accept them and then you can say thank you and good night. <laughs> um, I am actually choosing to look at what is the art of the possible right now and get curious and playful. And that does mean finding resources. That does mean talking to individuals and um having support around how can we navigate sex in a different way now? Maybe for a while, this is how what it needs to look like. And mm-hmm. for a while is not forever. So let's not globalise it. Let's not turn it into a failing. Let's turn it into a journey. Yes. And I that's so beautiful. And I see the parallel in a lot of the coaching that I do for neurodivergent people, you know, it's almost as if our neuro, our neurodivergence becomes exacerbated in midlife for a lot of people experiencing menopause with the estrogen drops, the symptoms of particularly ADHD rise. There's already brain fog. There's like brain fog on brain fog. Yes. <laughs> and so the things they used to be able to do, throwing ourselves into the past and the expectations of, you know, performing as we did in the past don't work anymore. So the, not only does our body not work like it used to and exercise doesn't feel like it used to and sex doesn't feel like it used to, but our brains don't work like they used to. And so there's this whole reshifting and reframing. I feel like on what is wellness? What is success? What is pleasure? And, and not like, what is your new normal? Like you're destined to feel like this forever, but, but can we play with this? Like you just said, can we be playful and curious about, oh, this is interesting, uh, how things are shifting and evolving and, uh, what new creative ways can we use this new mind and body? Yes. And, and when we talk about wellness practices, now is the absolute perfect time to turn practices into regular routines because everything is up in the air and as you know I'm a massive supporter of neurodivergence neuroqueer stories Um, my daughter has autism and a lot of my clients have ADHD and so learning about how that shows up as someone who is a supporter is absolutely paramount there are some fantastic books out there um, that I can absolutely recommend and we could put them in the show notes okay some new books as well good um adhd sex and and about uh, about about learning about adhd so that you can um improve how you communicate and how you experience your partner so that you understand some of the things that are going on underneath the waterline that they might not even be aware of And so with wellness and with everything up in the air, like you've said, it's not just menopause, it's around those, um, the ADHD as well. 
bringing in regular practices and that we call them practices because it's it's sometimes they work and sometimes they don't it's a practice so permission to play around with it and for it not to quite work so for example my yoga practice I do yoga four or five times a week if I miss it I feel that I miss it Mm. I don't berate myself I just note that I missed it and that therefore the start of my day I like to do it at the beginning of the day it took me a long time to work out what is the optimum length of time that means I'll stick to it Mm. three quarters of an hour is too long 10 minutes doesn't feel like I can just you know not do it because only 10 minutes so I found that for me 20 minutes I can commit to and it's been trial and error and what I've realized I use an app called down dog app it's like 50 pounds a year. Um, and it's got so many different types of yoga on it. And what it's also got is HIT, you know, the H-I-I-T uh, exercises. So you can bring yoga and HIT in. What that means is that you can do exercises that are weight bearing. And therefore, yes. as we know through menopause, that is helping our bones strengthen. And and more importantly, in a way, the, the muscles and the joints around our bones are being malleable and flexible. So now is your time to look up what is going to serve me, what kinds of moving with intention is going to serve me. If it's going for a walk every morning, right, what's the optimum? Maybe it's 10 minutes. That's okay because you're more likely to stick to it if it's manageable and it works for you. Finding those wellness uh, practices, maybe it's meditation every morning. And you know that the morning is always the best time to do it because it, it it literally sets you up. And then there may be some things in the evening that you want to do. Doing some stretches in the evening, giving yourself 10 minutes before you climb into bed to do stretching. Look at what your body's done all day. You've been working out all day. Even if you've got an office job, you're getting up, you're moving around. You are in movement. You got there, you got to the office. Your body has been exercising all day. So you owe it 10 minutes to do some intentional stretching. You can go onto YouTube and search for that and get something for free on there. And even if you have an office job and you've been sitting still all day, even more reason to stretch. Stretch out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I suggest this to my clients as well, you know, don't assume it needs to be a half hour or an hour long workout, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That's actually the research shows with practices or or discipline that uh, the 10 or 15 minute, Time frame is is what helps you create that habit or ritual or routine. And the other thing that massively helps is ascribing identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a person who yes. values my health. Ah, okay. I am a person, and this is your mantra. I am a b- person who values my health. What does a person who values their health do? They start their day with something that honors their body. Great. What does a person who honors their body do for, you know, and then you pick your practice. So if you ascribe a, an identity to it and, and that will be part of your values, that'll be part of your purpose as a human. I need to be fine and well to look after the people that rely on me. Great. So that's your purpose. That is your purpose. How do you attach your new practice that you're going to be instilling in you every day? How do you attach it to that? How does it make sense to join those two things together? Yes. I love that. I love that because I want to feel integrated and aligned with what I'm doing. And if I say I'm the kind of person who likes to take walks every day, even if I wake up and I don't want to take the walk, I can, I can bring myself into that mindset. This reminds me of 
in terms of eating, you know, if all of a sudden, and it's true, my body doesn't uh, digest gluten and dairy well. So rather than me going out with friends and saying, I don't know, I mean, it's just that it gives me a tummy ache and I don't know if it's worth it. I'm going to get all gassy. Rather, rather I say, um, I am gluten-free or dairy-free. I'm the kind of person who doesn't eat gluten or dairy. Like we just like state it and rather than, yeah. you know, struggle. I choose. I choose. I choose. And that's what the brain likes. It likes, I yes. choose. It, it likes that you, you we mentioned psychological safety which i do want to circle back to sure, um, yes, at the beginning yeah because when you are so when we're thinking about being in a couple or a throuple or any kind of relationship dynamic and one or both of you or all of you are going through menopause and you're trying to work out ways of relating to each other in a happy healthy held way that psychological safety, that awareness of what that looks like needs to come in. And that includes things like being safe to express yourself without being humiliated and shamed. And there's this thing that sometimes we do when we're on the back foot, we use banter. And sometimes banter and jokes can be insidious, can be undermining, can be coming from a playful place but actually also an unkind place. So making sure that things that you note in your own body and other people's bodies changing, and this is really important when we talk about LGBTQIA plus world, when you are interacting with someone who is non-binary or trans, how, how, what do I need to know about how your body operates? What do I need to know about terminology? How would you like me to refer to your genitalia? How would you like me to refer to the energies? Is it unuseful to use you're in your masculine energy now, you're in your feminine energy? If so, let me learn the language that allows that safety as we have our intimacy, because, you know, it is intimacy. And into me, I see, I am seeing you for true and truth. So allow me to see you so that I can learn that and have that safety. And yes, there's going to be comfort zone stretching. And I think if we can approach that from a place of collaboration, yeah. this is this is a shared journey. Yes, you're 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 going through menopause. I'm not fine. Absolutely. That's a fact. How can we move through as a collaboration? Uh interestingly, I was on this show, it was, it was in 2020, it was quite quite a while ago, called Lesbian Guide to Straight Sex. And what we did, there were four of us lesbians and we were helping straight couples with their sex lives. They were, they, there was love, there was compassion, there was a great foundation. They just hadn't been able to navigate long-term sexual satisfaction. And one of the couples, she was going through menopause and she called menopause Lady M, mm. Lady M. And she, and this is the language that she created and her husband yeah. absolutely absorbed and so they had this beautiful language, you know, and this is what strengthens relationships. When you have your own language, when you have your own little rituals, ways of saying things, connections. And so she would say, oh, Lady M's just arrived. You know, she'd be having a hot flush and he'd be like, right, OK. And he would go and get the hot, you know, the cold towels or open a window or whatever else. So they had this partnership. They had this collaboration that helped them manage that situation. And there are practical things you can do. There are sheets, you know, using the sheet, looking at what is the environment of the bedroom that I can make sure it is a cool environment. 
How can I make sure that I'm using the right kind of sheets? How can I make sure that there's water available and that the bedside table is on my side so that I can reach the water in the night and I don't have to wake you up because I have to climb over you to get some water. So making these, they seem like really small adjustments, but you know, they're not, they're collaborating as we navigate these changes together. Yes. Um, anything with cooling in front of it, I will buy cooling pillow, cooling pajamas, cooling sheets. <laughs> yeah. Because we're looking at empathy, mutual yes. empathy. So I need to understand your experience so that I can, I can do my bit on your, on the journey. Yes. And, and I love the idea of access intimacy in this case where we're asking for what we need. And then that liberates the other person to ask for their own needs and accommodations. Even somebody who isn't experiencing menopause has their own needs. And so if we are very clear about what we want, um, then it's collaborative and it's, and it's a beautiful reciprocal conversation. Absolutely. In, in polyamory, because as you know, I'm, um, some of my dating history is what I call interseasonal, <laughs> interseasonal dating. So I will d- date people who haven't experienced menopause yet. And so there's this kind of sharing of the baton. <laughs> there's this kind of like, right, this is what I'm going through. And I'm so in it. And, and I, as I said before, I, I know that it's not everyone's experience. I am really lucky that I am comfortable with myself and where I'm at in my life and with my practices. So I can show that to others and inspire others. Obviously, that's not why I'm dating them particularly. It's a nice offshoot that comes Share out the of wisdom. it. Yeah, absolutely. Sharing the wisdom. I and on with, that, sorry, go on, go for it. Oh, I was I was at a workshop uh, for a few days with Elizabeth Gilbert, the author and of Be Pray Love. And uh, she too is going through menopause. She and I are similar age. And she was saying, I'm not yet a crone. I want to share my wisdom, but I'm not yet a crone. I don't want to sit on some rocking chair, um, but I don't really give a shit about what people think of me or what I wear, what I look like. So I'd like to, I identify swamp witch. <laughs> Yeah. And she, yes. you know, we were both wearing what I call a onesie. I'm actually wearing one now. Like I'm not even putting any thought into my clothes anymore. Just the top matches the bottoms. It's like a jumpsuit onesie. Yeah. And she was wearing one as well. And, and it was just like this, this feeling of, you know, I get you like our bellies need to breathe. We don't want to put a whole lot of thought into this. Um, but we're not, we're not yet in a rocking chair, you know, talking yeah. to grandchildren. There's something in between. And the swamp, which just felt like this, like I can be wild and, and raw and dirty and magical still all at the same time. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I love a jumpsuit. Uh, the only thing is you need to plan for peeing. Oh, the However, bathroom jumpsuit issue. <laughs> To, to have one thought in the day, the top is always going to match the bottom. So you, do, you don't need to worry about everything else. All you've got to think about is how you might accessorize it. it. It simplifies life so beautifully. And there are so many different iterations of the jumpsuit as well, with sleeves, without sleeves, you know, shorts, etc. There we are. We're getting the full frontal. Yeah. Uh, you have the full frontal. The purpose of the I, tape. <laughs> I have a workaround for the public. I have a jumpsuit. This is embarrassing, but true. Um, I have a jumpsuit where the legs are very wide and stretchy. If I don't wear underwear, I'm, I don't need to take off the top. I'm just going to roll that puppy up and yeah. And I love that. Anyhow. You heard it here first. This is, this is, this is like life hacks. Yeah. Menopausal life hacks. Right. 
And because you don't want to let it all unravel onto the bathroom floor in a public bathroom. Or sometimes I'll go for a walk with a friend in the woods. And I'm like, oh, I'm wearing my jumpsuit. Like now it all yeah. has to come off. We again. call it a bushway. Going for a bushway. <laughs> well, you need the wide-legged ones. Friend. Right. Okay. I'll get yes. on it. Commando on it. wide leg. There you go. Yeah. Um, I do want to very quickly uh, return to this idea of um, – self-pleasure and sensation and sex toys and all the things and, and how I'm putting it all together in my mind is that there's just a lot of sensation. Uh, the, the weight of the damn toys, the sound of the damn toys, the texture of the damn toys, the, the fact that it's, um, uh, well, frankly, from an ADHD standpoint, like they're never plugged in with the right, like at the right time, they're never charged at the right time. I can't find the fucking plugs to the right things at the right time. And then from an autism standpoint, it's just like awkward and so much anyhow. And then, and then the body stuff, like I said, the belly, and then I feel like my arms got shorter, my belly got bigger one. I can't reach the damn thing. And so I like all these barriers outside of the temperature in the room and the sound of the fan and all like, and then I'm supposed to masturbate. I like, there's a lot to get through there. And sometimes I just get tired before I begin. So first of all, I'm sure this is not. I'm not the first person to have said this out loud, uh, but what would you recommend to somebody like me? Oh, it's really interesting. I read this brilliant book last year, Mind the Gap by Karen Gurney. And what they talk about is the place that, that uh, mindfulness has in sex and how when you are in flow during sex, you are completely focused on that person and I know talking to my ADHD clients, that is a beautiful place to be when you are in flow and the monkey brain is switched off and the noises that are outside aren't there. And the what does my body look like? And are they looking at this? And are they checking that? When you're absolutely in it, you are in that mindfulness. And so there's been a lot of research around people who practice mindfulness, practice their meditation, practice their, I'm just going to sit, I'm going to feel those hear those thoughts, feel those feelings, and just use some kind of imagery that helps me allow them to pass. Some people think of a stream where they see those thoughts and those feelings drifting past. Some people think of clouds and they imagine those things drifting past. Some people don't need that imagery. They, they just kind of feel through it. So there's been a lot of research how other areas of your life can impact on how you approach masturbation, how you approach sex and intimacy. What I hear from what you're saying is around make a decision about what kind of self-pleasure it is. So is it a quickie that you're going to bash out? and Or is it something that actually you want to luxuriate in? Mm. Quality or quantity is what we're talking about here. And sometimes it can work, particularly with ADHD brain, to say, I'm actually going to plan so I'm really good at planning. This is what people don't realize. I am really good at planning. I can spend hours planning because that's what my brain does. It does hyper-focus. So I'm actually a really good employee. Yes. I really am. So I can, I can curate an evening with me nice. and I can put together all the things that will stimulate the senses that I love. All this, you know, if I'm visual, I'll make sure that I've got some, um, some beautiful things to look at and, um, if I if I'm if you, if I'm um, if it's aesthetics or touching, I'll make sure I've got all the right soft kind of things around me. If it's auditory, I'll make sure I've got the playlist. I will curate this 
and I will think about it as a journey. Um, you know, because you because of your brilliant podcasts, ple- and you know this quote so well, you know what I'm about to say, pleasure is a right, not a reward. And I quote that as well, probably as much as you do. It is a right to feel pleasure and pleasure doesn't have outcomes attached to it. It is journey. Mm-hmm. And what did we say earlier? We said, sometimes my body works in a different way. So if I'm like, this little bullet, I used to come in like 10 seconds and now it's not working. Okay, so let me get creative with this. And this is where the improvisation comes in, which I know is part of your story. You love improv. Mm-hmm. Oh, what happens if I put it on a nipple? I've never done that before. Great. Mm-hmm. What happens if I start at my knee and then I move it really slowly and really intentionally and then move it back down? It's called edging. What if I get close to the area and then move away and get close to it. And what if that's it? That's my pleasure. What if I, I I'm doing this because I want to tease myself. So reimagining your journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. My sex therapist is saying something similar. So of course you're both <laughs> my sex therapist who happens to be a, a man, uh, talks to me about sensate focus. Oh, and, um, you know, it doesn't have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be with sex toys. It doesn't even have it, no orgasm, no, no, nothing about sex. And it's really fascinating to witness myself in session with him as, as he's very gently, patiently talking to me at Sensate Focus and me explaining how, from an autistic standpoint, it is, it is very challenging to enjoy different sensations, different, it's like, it's, it's just a little bit of this psychological safety again of exploring something new. When I know my fuzzy faux fur blanket is great. Like that's the pinnacle. Why am I just not hugging on that? And my stuffed animal, why does it have to look like anything else? Why do I have to get to the pleasure part? I mean like that, if that's my pleasure, then, then is that, can that be my orgasm hugging my blanket like so we we battle a bit because i want more and and i struggle to to access it so it's just a fun you where you are at meet you where you are at because you deserve that and she deserves that as well i'm saying she because i know your pronouns are she her i love sensate focus it's it's an area that actually esther perel has talked about when we are learning around areas such as um consent and asking for what we want so Put your arm out, get your partner to try different ways of tickling your arm. Try stippling, try slow, try speed, try pressure, try different ways and give your partner feedback on what you enjoy. And quite often it's things like bringing in an intentionality. So encouraging your partner to do it in a with a, a mindset and see how that impacts it. And wow, does that make a difference? And so you are learning about consent. You are learning about asking for what you want. You are learning about your partner setting boundaries. No, I don't like that. Can you um, try something else? Can you stop doing that? It's a fantastic way of using an exercise that can then be uh, used in different ways in your sex and your intimacy and back to the psychological safety. Sensate focus is brilliant for trans folk as as you navigate your body and, and how your body operates in the world. And it, it manages expectations. As you said, this is what your sex therapist is working on. It helps us gather that information through our senses. This is what I ask my clients sometimes. If they're going through a difficult situation, I'll say, what sense comes to the fore? And they might say, actually, it's, it's, it's audio. When I think about that situation, it's, it's all audio. 
okay, so what does your audio need? What does it need? How do you use that and then re repurpose it into a way that serves you? Um, that's really, really important to explore each of those senses and how and how you can work with them in different ways. Providing feedback, as you know, is another great one in the Sense8 focus as well. How do you let them know what you like and what you don't like? And that's letting you know as well when we're talking about self-pleasure. And absolutely, as we've said, I guess one of the themes of, of our conversation is about being journey-focused and yes. not goal-focused. And it's so hard because we live in a world that says strive, do, achieve, get, grab, grasp. Figure it out. That don't work in sex. Grab, grasp. I mean, it does in some scenes with, you know, it absolutely does. If you're so focused on outcome, you've missed yeah. the journey, mate. You missed yes. it. Yes. And it changes. One day, you you know, something will feel good. And the next day, something else will feel good. And, you know, you can be hyper sensitive one day and hypo sensitive the next day. And just to be uh, open to all that. Um, I love it. I love the fluidity and the curiosity and the playfulness and, and that that has to be part of it, not in a mockery, a laughing off menopause or sex kind of way, but just a, a playful curiosity in the journey. I love that. What is there anyone like anything you haven't said that you want to say before we wrap it up or anything you want to of that we have said you're like oh highlight this spotlight this put that in the clip. <laughs> I think just mainly meet you where you are at. Mm-hmm. Meet you where you are at. You are an amazing person. The journey you have been on to get to where you are now is phenomenal and you deserve to honor you. I love that. Beautiful. I love talking to you. This is my pleasure having conversations like this with Allie. (laughs) I love talking to you. I love it. I love it. And I think it was, I think it was actually only maybe two and a half years ago because you were one of my first guests in the relationship room for Diva magazine when we were over on Clubhouse. And that's how we met through Clubhouse. So that was about two and a half, maybe three years ago. Yes. When I was ironically doing the podcast, let pleasure be the measure. I'm still working. It's I I value it and I'm still working on it. Yes. Um, The journey continues. Yes. Well, thank you for being this continuous thread over the last two and a half years of my life. Thank you. Um, How can people find you, reach you? Yeah, great. My website is alihendry.co.uk. And I'm most active on Instagram, which is Ali Hendry Coaching. Yes, yes. Beautiful. And of course, all of that will be in the show notes, as well as the uh, books you mentioned, which I'll catch up with you on in a second. And um, yeah, and if anybody enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, please share. Of course, it would be fantastic if you do the subscribing and rating and reviewing and all the fancy things, but sharing it with somebody who's experiencing menopause would be a beautiful gift. Definitely. And I do free workshops. So if people do want to join my community, they can find me on AH uh, Coaching Community on Facebook. And again, we can put the links in for that, or they can subscribe to my mailing list. You get a once a month mail out and it includes copies of any of the free webinars I've done that month and I'm I've got one coming up actually uh, so I can send you a copy if the time has passed it's on the 1st of August okay. um but obviously it's a podcast so it goes on forever and ever but if you want copies of a 
uh, intimacy and menopause free webinar, then do reach out to me. Wonderful. Will do. Thank you so much, Ali, for being here. Loved it. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks for neuroqueering with us, everyone. We look forward to talking to you next time. Bye. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day.